I've been bringing you messages from Ecclesiastes. I realize your pastor did this several years ago, but there's always more to learn because it is a mysterious book and hard to understand in many ways. And someone said to me accurately, it's like a puzzle. Every verse is kind of a conundrum, difficult thing to understand. I'm drawn sometimes to those passages as we tried to figure out last week what eternity in the heart meant, God placing that in our hearts, what that meant. I think this is a little bit clearer, nonetheless, chapter 7. And this is verses 1, I'm going to do 1 to 13, and focus on verse 10 as it fits the theme, no such thing as the good old days. Let's hear God's word. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, and the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fools. This also is vanity. Surely oppression drives the wise into madness and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick to be in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance and advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money, and the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Consider the work of God, who can make straight what he has made crooked. This is the word of God. May he bless it to our hearts and lives. And as usual, you'll find an outline on the additional sheet with the theme, No Such Thing as a Good Old Days, and the text is actually focused on verse 10, though I'll bring some of the surrounding verses, I think, into play as we go along. But primarily, in other words, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 10. Let's pray for God's wisdom. We thank you, Lord, for the wisdom that you alone have through Jesus, who is the source of all wisdom and knowledge. And teach us again the mysteries of your word. Open them up to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I went to Westminster Seminary way back in the 70s in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and there were professors there that had been there for some time. My dad, in fact, had been around during the time of J. Grissom Machen, and I always wondered what it was like to be around during the time of the foundation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the seminary in 29, and the denomination in 1936. So some of you may not know those days. In fact, I doubt you would. But I did want to ask one of my professors one day, I was walking along the hallway, and I came across one of my professors, and it happens that he was an apologetics professor, which means he loved to think deep thoughts and think kind of philosophically. So it was difficult, even though he was a friend of our family, to have an ordinary conversation with him, because he'd always answer with some kind of a mysterious answer. I took the chance to try to have a casual conversation. I said, Professor, did you ever long for the days of Machen? and the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, 
back in the 1930s, and I expect him to say, oh yeah, those were the days, and I remember them, and all that sort of thing. But instead, he looked at me right between the eyes, and I kind of thought this wasn't going to go well. And he said to me, son, nostalgia is a sin. I thought, I just wanted a brief conversation, a pleasant little interaction, but instead, he kind of rebuked me. And I thought, well, that wasn't very nice, but then I thought later, maybe he does have a point. And I think he really does, and it's very similar to what this passage says. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? It is not from wisdom that you ask these things. We'll we'll talk about what nostalgia is and isn't. It isn't as though we don't think about the past. In fact, we should. We have to. The whole scripture is like that. But it's the desire to kind of relive the past or to go back to the good old days. Some of you children may have your parents explaining to you the good old days of black and white TV or when things seemed to be simpler or whatever it was. There was an old song by Carly Simon. You probably don't remember her either, but anyway. <laughs> it was called Anticipation. And this was not a Christian song at all, but I liked the refrain. She says, these are the good old days. And I thought, well, that was kind of curious to say that. In other words, let's not worry about the past. Let us simply live in the present. And you might notice that I think she has a point, as we even read from the Apostle Paul, how he said to to move on from the past, to live in the present, and to anticipate the future. And so the word anticipation is good, too, anticipating the future blessings of God, and to live in the present and not to dwell or try to return to the past. Now, there are four dangers listed in verses 7 to 10, as many times wisdom literature gives you many warnings at the same time, or several sayings at the same time, and it warns us of four dangers, corruption, verse 7, a bribe corrupts the heart, impatience, and we'll get back to this one in a minute, the patient in spirit is better than the good, the proud in spirit, then you've got bitterness, be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger, anger lodges in the heart of fools. That's bitterness. And then this one, which I'm calling nostalgia. Say not, why were the former days better than these? It is not from wisdom that you ask this. Well, we cannot live in the past. That's pretty obvious, but I think we should recognize that time does pass and we can never return to it. First Chronicles says, We are strangers before you, and sojourners as our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. In other words, you can't return even to yesterday if you wanted to. We are not living in the past. Only God is eternal, and for that we ought to be grateful and sort of remember our place. We cannot dwell in or live in the past And why not? Well, you look at your outline briefly, you will notice some answers to that question. First of all, we cannot know the past accurately. Now, I will make an exception, except in biblical history. The Bible is inspired, tells us what really has happened, and and of course, we're supposed to think on these things. But when you kind of long for the past, you want to live in the past, you've got to remember that you don't really remember the past all that well. Living in the past is impossible. And I'll give you an illustration from my own life. I was born in Chicago, a big city. We moved when I was two to Wilmington, Delaware, and that's a medium-sized city. And we lived in an older neighborhood. And it was, in fact, a row house, if you know what those are. 
Their houses butted up against each other and made of brick. They got a small backyard, if any, and a small front yard, and neighbors right next to you. Well, we lived in one of these, and I thought, well, this is great. You know, it seems like a really cozy place. I don't think I used the word, but I didn't mind it at all, didn't think anything about it. But then years later, I think I was probably 50 years old or so, we decided to go back and visit our old neighborhood. I looked at this old neighborhood, and I said, what a dump. This place is dirty. It's filthy. It's dangerous. And, of course, it is and probably was. But in our memories, we forget the bad things, don't we? We tend to. And we remember the good things as we think they were. We call those the good old days. And we love to think about the past because our imagination can think a lot of things. Of course, I think this is really funny when it comes to the evolutionists who want to think that we know what happened five billion years ago for some reason. And then these scientists can't even accurately know what happened yesterday. I say, you weren't even around 100 years ago. What makes you think you can know some things? Well, there are historical records. I get that. I understand. But we don't live there in the past anymore. We realize that God alone lives in eternity. And if we try to figure out what God is doing, we'll bump up against the reality of our ignorance. The book of Job is a good example of that, where Job's counselors were trying to convince him that he had sinned in some way or other. And the main sin was that he was tempted to kind of second-guess God along with his counselors. And so in Job chapter 38... God says a series of things where he says, where were you when? This is a great thing. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where are you when I put Leviathan in the sea? Where where were you when the stars are put in the heavens? Obviously, nobody was there, including Job. Only God was at the very beginning, and then he created us into that history. The fact of the matter is we don't know much about the past, and what we do know is often distorted. Secondly, and this is also obvious, we cannot return to the past or bring it back. We would love to do that in a way. Uh, There are movies that pretend you can go to the past. If you remember the Back to the Future, oh, what if I were there when my parents met? I wonder what that would be like. And, of course, you might mess it up is the theory. There's a good reason why we can't return to the past. The past is the past. It's over and done with. The conundrum of returning to the past and changing all of history, of course, means that's really a silly idea. Star Trek imagines you can save uh, the whales by going back to the past and saving some and bringing them back into the future. Uh, These are silly things. This is called science fiction for a reason. It's just pretend. So we love to think about the past, but we cannot bring it back. We cannot return to it. That's a newsflash in case you wondered if you want to try. What is the cause that the former days seem better than these? Well, we see the past in rose-tinted or rose-colored glasses. Oh, yes, the past, an age of heroism and faith and righteousness. Parents talk about it all the time, don't they? But it says, don't do that. Don't glorify the past. Don't try to live in the past. And it says further, it is not from wisdom that you ask, why were those days better? Don't bother thinking about it, all right? In asking such a question, you reveal you have not thought wisely about this whole question of time. Now, every age has its light and dark side. 
you might say, well, I wonder about those good old days before COVID. Whew, that must have been great. And we sometimes barely remember it, go, man, that would be great if you don't have to worry about this masks and all this sort of thing. But, you know, there will continue to be all kinds of problems, newsflash again, whatever they might be. The past is not wholly light. Even before COVID, there were problems, all kinds of problems. And the present is not wholly dark, though it might seem that way to you. I wonder whether we think about the past ages of history, and much of it is just glamorization, that is, kind of having a special pink tint over history. And we wonder, that must have been a golden age. How about what we say about merry old England? You've heard of merry old England. This is the day of days of Robin Hood. Well, he and his merry men, you know, were out in the forest, and the Sherwood Forest, and they were trying to right the wrongs, and they were stealing from the rich and giving to the poor, which isn't necessarily right either. But they thought, well, it's great. We'll live out in the woods. You ever try to live in the woods? I, I, I tried camping with my wife a couple times. I hate it. I mean, it's awful. You know, one time it rained. And we were rained out. We went to the lodge, thankfully, in the state park. But, you know, trying to stay in the rain is not the greatest thing in the world. Or any kind of camping, I suppose, even if you have some kind of a fifth wheel. One time, speaking of England, my friends and I went over to England. We bicycled around for a few weeks. This was a great adventure. And we came across a youth hostel. And there are many kinds of youth hostels. And one of them was a castle in southern, no, it was northern England, I think. Not southern Scotland, but northern England. And you could stay there overnight. And I thought, I don't know about castles. They're pretty damp and dark and wet and drafty. And if you lived in a real castle, it would stink you out. I mean, the toilet system was awful. And you had to have fires just to keep one little corner of the room a little bit warm. Merry old England, stay in a castle. Just be thankful for where you live now. We long for the past, but we don't really know what the past was like, and we think it was better. Do not say it was better. Do not say, why were the former days better than this? Now, they did it from the perspective of the people delivered out of Egypt. Now, it was hard in Egypt. Remember how they had to make bricks? Then they had to gather straw, and they had to build with bricks and straw, and they started crying out to God. Oh, Lord, deliver us. This is a terrible thing. And, of course, God heard their cries. And as you remember, he sent Moses into Egypt and confronted Pharaoh. And eventually, after the ten plagues, they got onto the desert. And they started thinking, well, this is some deliverance. We go from Egypt out to the desert. We're no longer slaves, but we don't have much to eat. And we have this manna, and it's the same old thing every day. And we have to have a miracle to get water out of the rock. That's tough stuff. And not only that, we don't get our spices. We like peppers on the manna pizza once in a while. We want to have good stuff. Salt and pepper at least. Come on, give us something. And that's all they had. And their memories dimmed because they cried out to God, things are terrible here, just get rid of the slavery and we'll be fine. Instead, they complained to God, and you may remember time and again, they complained, and they were judged there in the desert because they thought back to the good old days of Egypt, of all things. To what shall we look back? Well, there's lots of places we wouldn't choose. We certainly wouldn't choose to return to the good old days before the flood. 
where every thought and intention of man's heart was only evil continually, we'll cross that one out. Okay, just before the flood, no. All right, how about captivity? In the Old Testament, there's a lot of captivity. The Assyrians came, the Babylonians came, and by the time Jesus came, the Greeks and the Romans had been in charge, and they were just not happy about any of this stuff. How about going back to the Garden of Eden? Well, one of my groups that I used to like in the 70s is called Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and they thought it might be good to return to the garden, but in order to do that, they said, blasphemously, let us bid the devil's pardon. In other words, the devil was right, Adam was right, God was wrong. Let's go back to the garden. Well, we know we can't because all that's false. The only way we're going back to the garden is for God to wipe out our sins and take us to heaven. We can't dwell in the past and pretend and hope that somehow Adam didn't do what he did. All right, okay, here's one. How about the Reformation? Wouldn't you like to go back to the Reformation? Reformation was time of Martin Luther and big adventures and, and John Knox in Scotland and, and Calvin in, in France and other places like uh, Switzerland. But if we go back to the Reformation times, get ready to run. You will be in trouble. People will think you are crazy. They will call you those who like to destroy our memories of God in crashing up idols. Well, they wouldn't call them that. Uh, these images... And they, the Christians, got themselves in trouble, and Luther had to be on the run in fear for his life. And of course, therefore, we really can't go back to even so-called good old days. And if you go back to the early days of the OPC, all the churches lost their buildings. They had nothing. They had to meet, one one church met above a bar. Another church met in a barn. Another church might have met in a basement somewhere. Those are difficult days. And they didn't have any money. And their pastors had no money. And it was not easy. The good old days of Machen and the beginning of the OPC, even that. We know that we love to think back to the past when times seem bad. And really, it's just a different form of complaining. I wish I did not live right now. Grumble, grumble. Mumble, mumble. I don't want to live right now. Please get me out of here. And you make yourself miserable. And pretty soon you're like the grouchy old men on the park bench saying, young people these days, I don't know what we're going to do with them. In other words, always grumbling, always complaining, always wishing things were different than they really are. And it's really another form of what's called the grass is greener on the other side syndrome. The grass is greener in the neighbor's yard, we think, not really. The grass was greener back in the good old days, not really. Now Solomon did have some days that were pretty good. And you might not blame him for looking back when he was famous and rich and wise and did right things and had queens and kings visit him and marvel at his wisdom, and he was having a pretty good time. But it didn't last, you know, because of his sin and all the wives and concubines that he had. And this is Solomon reflecting on this fact, perhaps in this verse. Do not say why were the former days, even back for him better than these. We realize that there are many golden ages we'd love to return to. The British Empire was an empire on which the sun never set. Were you aware of that? At one point, they held India and places in Africa, places in the Pacific, all around the world. And the sun never set on the British Empire until it didn't. And everybody left the empire, and now they're pretty small. There was the American Empire, you could argue, from sea to shining sea, right? 
Well, look at us now, not doing so well despite the blessings we've had in the past. Don't think about the past as if you can return to it because there's no sense to it. In your own personal life, you might say, well, I wish you were younger again. How are you going to make that work? (laughs) It only goes one way. People say, well, I'm not getting any younger. I'd like to find somebody who is getting younger. Anybody here getting younger? No. You're all, you're, some of you are younger than others, but you're all, newsflash again, you're all getting older. That's it. You can't wind the clock back. Look at those pictures when you were a baby or a kid. You can't go back. You can't go there. Now, you might say to me, all right, is the past then useless? Well, certainly not in the light of the God of history, who does give us an actual, accurate record of what happened from the dawn of creation all the way to the time of Christ and even predictions about the spreading of the kingdom to this very moment. The past is not useless because we have a God of history who is working his perfect providence. Oh, that's right, your providence church. Yeah, you should remember this. Working his perfect providence all over everything, no matter what happens. Well, then how do you remember the past? Is there a proper way to remember the past? Well, not longing to return to it, but with repentance, for one thing. You have to look beyond the past and your failures. And Paul, if anybody had failures, it was he. He did not dwell on the past when he persecuted Christians and led them to death. He didn't dwell on the past when he had to be thrown off his horse and blinded on the road to Damascus. He says, forgetting what lies behind in this sense, I have work to do now. I have a goal towards which I am going. We remember the past, yes, with repentance. We learn lessons. We give thanksgivings. There are many psalms that rehearse history and remind us what it was like in the desert, Psalm 105 and so forth. Even Deuteronomy 32, very clear. It says, Remember the days of old. Oh, we're not supposed to forget, because if we forget, we're doomed to repeat the past and all of the mistakes of the past. If you remember that old saying, Deuteronomy says, Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, he will show you the elders, and they will tell you. So there's nothing wrong with asking your parents or your grandparents what the past was like, but don't let them fool you. It was probably worse than they can remember. So don't try to return to it. You're not going to be your grandparents anytime soon. But the Lord's portion is his people, and Jacob has allotted heritage. So there is a purpose for the past to remember where we came from. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, Romans 15 says, that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope for the future. So we can learn from the past. We give thanks for what God has done. We remember he's made us in all things. Remember his providence in every part of your life in the past but we can't return to it, and we must press on towards what lies ahead. We can learn of it, we can, from it, we can repent of our sins, we can give thanks for the blessings, and we can thank God for his gifts throughout history, including today. Well, that's the past. There is the present. Forgetting what lies behind, I press on, I press forward. I want to do things that God's called me to do. What do we know about the present? Well, first we know that God has revealed himself, and that we also see in the scripture throughout, God has told us what's true, infallibly so, and God is the God of history. And secondly, the Lord alone is God. 
We love to think that we're little gods that can do what we want. But Deuteronomy again says, Ask of the days that are past whether such a thing as this has ever happened or has ever heard of. In other words, we have blessings from God that we didn't have before. And with those blessings, we should be content, even when life gets harder than we like. The Lord alone is God. Thirdly, Christ has died and is raised from the dead. Now, this, of course, is the main point of the whole Bible, really. Here's Paul in prison, forgetting what lies behind. What is he going to do in prison? How could he forget what lies behind? Well, he can write letters. He can encourage people. He can remember the blessings that God has delivered him from his own sin. And he recognizes he is still being sanctified. He says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. That is Christ himself, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So we want to learn to know Christ better. And we forget what lies behind and we strain forward to what lies ahead toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's all that matters. Now, what happens in your life when you have messed something up royally? Don't tell me you haven't. You've messed something up. You've done something wrong. You're ashamed of it. Maybe your parents find out what you've done and now what are you going to do? Or maybe you know something that nobody else knows and you realize you've done some sins that nobody seems to be aware of. Or you've messed up royally and now there's all kinds of consequences in your life. And you're really sad about that. What do you do now? As I mentioned this morning, and the phrase I think is a good one, you should do the next right thing, whatever that is. We don't always know what it is. Sometimes we're perplexed. But we now say we can't change that thing that we did, right? We can't live in the past. We have to press on toward the goal of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, which means dust yourself off, get up and go on and do whatever's next in God's plan for your life, whatever that is. Do the next right thing. And guess what? God will bless that. God will bless what will happen in the future. And we see that backing up in chapter 7, verse 8. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. God is doing something in your life that you may not understand. But let us recognize that we should be patient to see the work of God in your life. And the future is better than the past when you get right down to it because God is calling us upward and onward in Christ. Better is the end of a thing that it's beginning. There's a momentum to history. Uh, the Jews or the Greeks didn't know that. They thought things were going around and around in circles. Remember Ecclesiastes 1, same old, same on, same old, sun rises, sun sets, and so forth. That's kind of Greek thinking. There's no future. They were just going around in circles. But there is a momentum. There's a, there's a moving forward in history, even though we can't always see it as being forward. Of course, Shakespeare had a play, All's Well That Ends Well. Now you have to admit, that was a comedy. (laughs) And he was just imagining something turning out well that started out so terribly, with such confusion. And then he gets to the end and everything's straightened out. He goes, oh, well, all's well that ends well. We still kind of say that. Well, that's just fiction from a human point of view. But from God's point of view, he is making all things turn out well. Romans chapter 8. He is working all things together for the good of his people. Now, some people say, well, he who laughs last laughs best. Well, that's a bit of a revenge motive. If my enemy falls later, I can laugh at him. Well, that's not really what we want to encourage, do we? 
We don't want revenge, but we do know the future will turn out right, that God will straighten out all the wrongs, vindicate his people, bring about his kingdom, no matter what it looks like right now. There is a future, Psalm 37 says, for the man of peace, but transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. We know the thoughts that God has for us. They are thoughts of peace and future blessing. I will give you hope, and I will give you a future. That's what I'm doing. You may not see it right now, but just wait, because our problem is we want things to happen too quickly. And this is also part of verse 8. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. And James chapter 5 says, be patient until the coming of the Lord. It seems like a long time. In fact, unbelievers will scoff and say, where's the promise of his coming? It's been what? 2,000 years now, what's the matter with you people sitting around waiting for something that's never going to happen? Well, we have to be patient until the coming of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm impatient sometimes. I can't wait till I'm not. Well, you know, the point. We all struggle with wanting things to happen before we can actually have them happen to us. And sometimes I bet you're impatient too. Sorrow and waiting are a part of life or it is life, mingled with hope and joy. The beginning belongs to the heathen world, and they think the world in the future belongs to them. But the end belongs to the people of God. Do not join the pagans in worshiping the past. We have to be patient. How long does history take? Well, it takes what it takes. How long did it take for the Reformation to take hold? 1517. Well, wait a minute. That's after the Dark Ages and many other terrible things that happened, and the gospel was almost lost, and it took centuries. Be patient until the reformation of the church. How long did it take for Christ to come? There were 400 years of silence between Malachi and the prophecies fulfilled in the Gospels. It took a long time for Simeon to know that he was going to see the Lord before he died. How long did it take for Christ to come? A long time. Many people died before he came. How long to the end of the age? Again, we don't know. But it could be a long time even. It's certainly been a long time so far. How long would it have been for the captivity to be over? It was only 70 years, quote unquote. But we long for it to be over, they said, so that we will be like those who dreamed. Oh, I love to get past those times into the future deliverance of the people of God. We can return to worship in Jerusalem and even then we'll weep because the temple isn't what it used to be. Oh, I wish we had the old temple. Don't do that. <laughs> for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So worship him, whatever you're in, wherever you're at, whatever your circumstances. Difficult times call for believers to look forward to the promised land, not back to Egypt, not with complaining, not with grumbling, but rather recognizing that God will bring a future that will be better than any past or any present for that matter, no matter how good. Do you wish you were in heaven? Sometimes I bet you do. But we have work to do. That's what Paul said. I have work to do. I look forward to what God's going to do in my life. We only look back to Christ and the resurrection, and we live, therefore, in the power of that resurrection right here and now. Every day is a new day to serve the Lord. Don't worry about yesterday. Do the next right thing. Get up in the morning. Might have to go to school pretty soon. I don't know. Or homeschool, whatever. Things happen. You have to do what you have to do. But we look forward to living in the power of the present. And then we look forward to heaven indeed. 
whenever that will come for us. And the heavenly Jerusalem will descend out of heaven. And we will hear the shout of the archangel and the voice of the trumpet. And we will know that Jesus has returned as he promised. And all will be well. Shall we pray? Lord God, forgive us for our impatience, for our pride, for our desire to shortcut your work in our lives, for great is your faithfulness. We thank you again for the opportunity to think about our foolishness. We might repent of it. We might avoid corruption and impatience and anger and trying to return to a past that will never return, going to a future that is better than anything we can imagine. Hear our prayers in Jesus' name.